It's life on life's terms. What's up, everybody? It's the Life on Life's Terms podcast, and we're back. I'm Tom Robinson, a grateful recovering addict, and uh, like I always say, we're not affiliated with any 12-step program, although we do endorse them and have benefited from them. (laughs) Yes, I am Chris Mandeville. I am a recovering heroin addict. Uh, We are here at a New Way Recovery Center in Quincy, Mass., on Quincy Ave., Lots of uh, good resources here, so if you're yes, sir. in the South Shore area, definitely swing by. They have lots of meetings here, all, and, and it's all different types of meetings. It's not just 12-step, um, you know, lots of support groups, so if come you're around, on come on down, and lolterms.com. Please subscribe. Yes, like, subscribe, uh, share. Like you can share this video now on your personal page if you wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah, just, please get the word out. Yeah, definitely get the word out there. Um, so tonight we have uh, Camila and... Camille. Yeah, oh. Camille. Okay, <laughs> Camille, sorry. Um, she's going to share her experience, strength, and hope with us. So, thanks for coming, Camille. Yes, appreciate it. take it away. And thanks for having me. Um, <clears throat> I've been kind of... Uh, I haven't spoke... At a meeting from the podium, probably in about mm, seven months, I kind of mm-hmm. go into a little um, withdrawing a little bit. Not yeah. isolating. I don't like the word isolating, but just sitting back and listening a little bit more. Mm. Um, but I don't know how to really start um, with my journey. I was a drinker, and I could hold my liquor, mm-hmm. and uh, I was proud of it. Mm. And uh, it started young. It was bizarre. I didn't understand. Uh, When I look back at it, I don't understand because I didn't come from an alcoholic family. Um, Now that time's gone on, because in recovery, you find out more and more and more and more about yourself as time goes on. Like It always amazes me when people say, oh, I worked through the steps when I first got sober, you know, like it was done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. And it's like, for me, it's just every everything that comes along in life um it just peels off another layer and you say wow mm-hmm. maybe that was a lot of my problem all along you know so now obviously the the viewers and listeners can tell that you're not from up here i'm from mississippi but i've been up here almost 40 years probably 38 years i've been okay. up here i left mississippi went into the military which is a great place to be um and be able to drink when in some states you still couldn't drink till 21. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're yeah. in the military, you drink in the on post bar. And it's like, yeah. You know, now, did wonderful. you did your drinking start in Mississippi? Yeah. When, mm-hmm. So about how old would you say you were? Um, I don't I can't remember my first drink, but I remember uh, the the game I played was I was very um cute (laughs) 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 um like i looked like i wouldn't ever do anything oh very innocent innocent Mm -hmm. one yeah yeah so the minute i don't know why i don't i know that other kids at school weren't saying it but i can remember that i graduated high school at 17 and the drinking Mm -hmm. age for um beer and um other weird things port wine wine yeah that type of things were sold in the grocery stores and hard liquor was store was in the liquor stores and you couldn't go in there till you were 21 but at 18 you could purchase in the grocery store so i would go in the grocery store and it the as of january of the year that i was going to be 18 but not till august i started going and purchasing at the grocery store. At the grocery store. That's that's so weird. weird right? uh-huh. And they would at, they would ID me, but they just would automatically look at the at the year. I would always check out the cashiers when I walked into the store, and if it was like an old lady, 
you know, I'd go to the old lady because she would just glance at the thing and yeah, okay. and see if, that good. <laughs> any and if anybody at the register, if they all looked, a you know, I don't know, like they might check my ID, I would buy something that I really wasn't my preference. They sell these things called uh, cold ducks or something. There were these little things, kind of like the wine coolers are now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I you think went, I remember. Yeah, if you went to an older lady or whatever, you know, she'd sell it to you. She didn't realize it was liquor. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Or I would go to a really young guy. Things were different. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to buy a case, if I had friends, I would go right in there. And I remember coming out of the stores, and my friends would be in the car, like, in amazement. Like I was God. Yeah, right. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> Would you tell them it was for your dad? That I no, they they never asked. They would just mm. look at that ID, <clears throat> or I would go to a, a a young guy at the register. Yeah, and I would buy some Kotex and Tampix, also with the. <laughs> so he'd be all thrown off, yeah. all embarrassed, like. Oh, beep. Just like scan everything. Didn't even want to look at anything. So it was like it was that. And then I remember moving out of my home. I hadn't decided I was going to go in the military. And I moved out of uh, um, my house and moved in with this girl I had met at college. She wasn't someone that I went to school with. And um, I was actually, I cannot even believe it when I think back on it. I was actually hanging out with this guy in his 40s that worked for um, Alcohol and Beverage oh. uh, Commissioner. Yeah, and they wow. go around and buy. And so I'd go in the restaurant with him, and he'd tell the waitress, go ahead and serve me. Wow. I'd drink it and everything, and he'd write them up. Really? <laughs> and then you go out to the juke joints. Nice guy. Yeah. Go out to the juke joints way out in the country down a dirt road and would pull in there and he'd go in and buy four pints of moonshine. He was checking if they had illegal moonshine. He'd buy four pints of moonshine, one for evidence, one for the lab, and two for us. <laughs> so he was enjoying... The stuff that he was busting people for. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of them, nice unfortunately, guy. do have an alcohol problem. Yeah. That yeah. work for that right. agency. It's funny because uh, a, a memory popped up on my Facebook the other day, and it was like three or four, like 13 or 14-year-old kids had walked up to me and was like, hey, can you do a run? And I'm like, can I do a what? 5K? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mm, I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, can you go to the packy? I'm like. Uh, um, no, no, no it's it just, it's weird that you talk about that. And then mm-hmm. that popped up the other day. Yeah. yeah. I can, rem- I can remember being 13 and like you're 13 and my friend was 14. He worked with a guy, a kid who was 16, who got his friend who was 21 or 18, whatever it was at yeah. that time to buy for him. Right. And you know, the bottle went all the way down the line to us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh yeah. So that six pack cost you like 25 bucks. <laughs> no, everybody... it was a handle of vodka. We yeah. weren't messing around. Because everybody had to get their two cents. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Gross. Right. So gross. So you're running around with the alcohol and beverage commissioner, <laughs> or he Miss, worked for him in Mississippi at the juke and the yeah. juke joints. But soon after that, you know, I just went into the military, um, and there was some drugs in there. You know, of course, it was acid. Uh, yeah, everyone yeah. I everyone I ever heard that was in the military would take acid because it wouldn't come up in a urine. Is what we they didn't get urine. What what they would say. Yeah. Oh no, they have to check your spinal fluid to find that. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Hearing that too. I don't know about that. Spinal fluid. What yeah. are you talking about? Right. I didn't do Crazy. a lot of that. That was like kind of a little bit before the service. Mm-hmm. Not too much of that. Um, cocaine. I can't even remember. You know, there was never like a big episode with cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it just really. The only reason you know a good alcoholic does cocaine is to be able Keep to drink on more. Drinking. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, I don't even understand the high from it. it. You don't even get high. You just talk a lot. Lord right. knows I don't need nothing that does Unless that. Unless you smoke it. <laughs> oh, please. And then, <laughs> oh. You sound, sounds like a helicopter. Mm-hmm. You just landed on your roof. Yep. And you're crawling around the floor looking for 
smoking yeah. crumbs of uh, oh, crackers, yeah. cracker crumbs. Carpet farming. Gross. But I always kind of yeah. would say that when I was drinking, you know, in the military and even when I got out, I feel like it was something that I wanted to have it. To me, I was always a little bit like um, Spock. Things had to be logical. Mm. You know, oh, like mm, I was going to wow. figure this out, mm. and I would for for like a length of time. Like I could get the buzz that I wanted and the relaxed feeling or a happy feeling, a little more up if I was at a party or something. Yeah. Um, and I would figure out the exact amount of liquor and the exact amount of, you know, smoking a joint and stuff like that. And I went that way for like a long time. Mm. And if I you ever like drank, a scientist, yeah, right. <laughs> and if I ever, like, I remember one time I took a half a quaalude, and I says, "This is not ha- never again." I was just like, I did. It interfered. If it interfered with that feeling that I like to have, yeah, I was done with mm. it. So you could get there and stay there, like. I Pretty, thought I could. Oh, okay. At first, maybe. Yeah. At first, you yeah. can. Yeah. You know, and you feel like you can. A and feeling I mean, of ease and comfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to make sure, like, you don't ever have a severe hangover. You know, it's yeah. like you don't drink rum. And if you didn't want to go knocking on your ex-boyfriend's door in the middle of the night, you don't drink tequila. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my only don't drink when I was drinking was try not to drink something that's not mine or I'm not allowed to. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll drink whatever you got that you're giving me, though. You mm-hmm. know. And yeah. it even went kind of all the way through because years later, when I knew I needed to let up on this, you know, um, I switched to wine and I never liked wine. Oh, so really? I switched to wine to be able to drink, but feel like I had control over it because wine didn't even hardly, it did enough that it was worth drinking, but it didn't really ever do to me like what Jack Daniels or something right, like that right, did. Right. Yeah. But you it know, would be large quantities it, if it it definitely is you drink so much wine, you actually feel it sloshing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, in your stomach, and you're still not buzzed. Yeah. You're like th- this. You all you're doing is high, peeing high, all the time. It's a high mm-hmm. tolerance right there. <laughs> yeah. You might have a high tolerance if <laughs> you can hear your booze in your belly. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. But you know, it was it was good times, and I think I think what the alcohol did for me. You know, I didn't know anything that I was shoving down back then. I didn't know everything as far I was as shoving fe- feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know everything I was shoving down back then. I had new discoveries in within the past eight years in mm. sobriety. I didn't realize how um, I got in some groups and in therapy at the VA. Um. After Todd died, and yeah. um, not died, but was on his way, right? Um, got in some groups and stuff, and I'd be like, I'd be like, I am so out of touch with my feel with certain feelings. Really? Yeah. I, I can, like things that had after, happened after years of sobriety. After years, wow. I still was so unaware of. Uh, how shut down I become around authority. Mm. You know what I'm huh. saying? Yeah, just little things like that, and how through the years that had kind of screwed me over, you know. Yeah. Both my husbands, you know, good men, but they called all the shots. And, and- I, I didn't see it because, I'm, as you can see, I'm not this meek and mild person. Right. I'm yeah. pretty together. But when it came down to it, they ran the show. Huh. Now, Just do you th- whatever was said, okay, oh, that's a good idea. So now do you <laughs> think that that, might, that you know, stems from something like a, it does, growing a tra- up? It does, a trauma in yeah. growing up and mm-hmm. trauma in the military, you right. know, like. Um, oh, females in the military, mm-hmm. is, I've heard yeah, absolute horror stories. Mm-hmm. Like horror stories, it's, it's, it's insane 
mm-hmm. you know, like some of the stuff that I've read and, and, and stuff that people have shared. Like, Oh, you hope that would, that culture is moving in the right direction. Yes. I'm sure yes. that it's coming from a place, especially back then, that wasn't easy to deal with for you, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, I didn't. what you don't know, you really don't know. Right. And, and, when, and you know, like we before we had started, we were talking about our friend Mike and, um, you know, he, he – you know, tells us that the traumas that happen to us, they get like locked up in your body, like mm-hmm. not so much in your mind, but exactly. like, like you, you, your body gets coded like, like a computer, like coding a computer with this, this trauma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it stays with you until you can figure out how to work mm-hmm. through that and release it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to keep affecting you over and over and over. And you, and you hear the thing, so many people. I mean, it's like you think you know when you hear – it's just this automatic thing we do. When you hear of a person's trauma, like if you hear of, like, sexual abuse, you think they're going to have trauma around sex mm. or around in, that type of intimacy. But everybody's different. Right, right. For me, um, it was more um, like a – almost like a – I hate to say a male response. Um, it was more like, I can't believe I let this happen to me. I can't believe I let somebody do that to me. Mm. Like, I want to fight them. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I want to, like a, like, a, like a man would. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, um, so when you're going through life, you know, and different people, you know, you're trying to work through the steps or you're talking to people about stuff. You think it's going to, you know, they ask you the typical questions, and some of that surface wasn't getting scratched for me, you know. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so you you were, you were angry. That mm-hmm. was your thing. Um, and but I didn't know it. You didn't know it till later. Yeah, I didn't know that that's where the going along with what people told me to do. Oh, the authority figure thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, where I would pick, you know, I don't think they did it, but um, I just went along with whatever was yeah. said. Well, anger is fear. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So maybe you were, you were uh, just afraid that something like that was going to happen again in the back of your mind, sort of, in a way, so you had or to it's act. Easier, it's easier to go with the flow right? than it is to fight authority sometimes. Mm. And to never, you never know when that situation is and really what is better to do. To be in a situation like and look back on things and say, how could I have done it different? And you want to write it different. And I think that's healthy. I think it's good to look back on some things and say, well, what, what if I had done this? Mm. And play that out in your head. It helps me with healing, you know, and to realize there was really nothing I could have done different. You know, and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. That's that's right because mm-hmm. you you get caught up in in, in blaming yourself for what happened mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you know it's it's really not your fault. Mm-hmm. Like, what did I do that that made this you know them want to do this or what you know? Yeah, and and then it became in my life. I think I've got that very typical alcoholic thing, and you'll hear other other people say this too. Was if I had everything just right. Nothing bad was going to happen right. to me. If right. I had the house cleaned uh, up right, if I had the kids dressed right, if my kids did well in school, if I had this certain job, if I was never late for work, if I paid all my bills, if I did everything right, everything was going to be all right. So that's kind of like the feeling of impending doom where you're doing all these things to stave off mm-hmm. yeah. a problem that you, like, you're making up in your own mind. Yeah. Yeah. Or like um, I think I've heard it termed as like destination happiness like Mm -hmm. if i get this if i get to that i'll Mm -hmm. be happy Mm -hmm. you know like i have to i have to you know this has to be this way this has to be that way and Mm -hmm. that's it's not how it is yeah if i if i could just be the perfect good girl Mm. then nothing bad was going to happen to Mm -hmm. me and that's just not the way that life works and with the um you can't it's hard to let relax like that a yeah, lot of yeah. my drinking as I got older wasn't partying. 
it was like I had to shut down my brain at night yes. after I got those kids to bed. Yes. And because yeah. you could be okay while you were handling that exactly. and distracted, mm-hmm. but then sit with self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely understand that. You yeah. Know? And then, um, you know, and I knew the drinking was increasing. Um, my mom died. You know, it was, she was, it was down in Mississippi. I went down there for like three months before she died and came back up. And uh, I was like, I'm unhappy. Like that was the first thought. But then I couldn't sleep. My inability to sleep got even worse. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night one night. And mind you, I'm working on a psych unit. And um, so I knew. I knew if you woke up in the middle of the night and you needed a drink, <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't be because you desired it. It was it was waking you up. Mm. And um, I remember reaching up in that cabinet, and I'm, I was like, I'm effed. Yeah, I can yeah. remember thinking it, you know. It's like, that reminds me of the, somebody says it, like, all the time. I don't remember who it is, but, uh, like, Oh, yeah, I like chocolate ice cream, but I'm not waking up in the middle of the night because chocolate ice cream is calling me out of the fridge. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not not eating chocolate ice cream five times in the same day. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I would be awake. If I didn't didn't have a drink, I would stay awake till morning. You know, it was like... Yeah, it was terrible. It owned you. Mm -hmm. It owned me. And I didn't have... I had a few what you could call jackpots... What the torture that was going on up here. Right. You know, they say the squirrels in your brain. Well, my squirrels were so busy (laughs) burying those acorns. And I needed to those acorns. I needed to know what those acorns right, were. Right. But my squirrels <laughs> were the, burying. They were burying them, them faster mm-hmm. than you could figure out what they were. Exactly. <laughs> mm. And then just the soul That's sickness. The soul sickness I had, you know, like um of um just just always feeling like there's gotta be a better way. Yeah. Just like this is not the way. And I could remember I felt like even you know, God would say to me, I got something better for you. And I'd pray and pray. I'd say, well, can't you tell me what? And can't you tell me how to get there? You know, like, what is it? You know, and it would just be this constant, just my heart would physically hurt. And I'd think there, there has to be a better way. I'm lost. I don't know who I am. I love these kids to death. I know I'm doing a decent job, you know, mothering them. <clears throat> I know people appreciate me at work. On the surface, I looked, you know, pretty good. But that's only because you're living out of fear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, just, I was just like miserable on the inside. Yeah. And I don't know when the moment was, but I remember after my mother died, I could tell my mother anything I wanted to about my life over the phone Mm. so she didn't see the fighting between me and my ex you know my kid's father she didn't see the stress i was under she didn't see me doing absolutely everything in that house cutting grass pregnant cooking lot you know just go 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 Mm. go go just miserable and then me and talk to like i was a useless piece of shit Mm. you know Oh, I could that's just hard pre- to take. Yeah, I would just present Boy. it to my mother like everything was fine. Yeah. And when she died, I had this bizarre feeling. Now she can see. Oh, mm. wow, yeah. <laughs> the gig is up. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. And I also just felt um, that need to, to, to find something, to find a better way. I don't remember the details of everything because there was, you know, a little bit of like you taper off the drinking, um, you stop for like a month, and then you start back up. Then I got pregnant with my third kid, so I didn't drink at all during that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And then after I had her, so when I made the decision to just drink wine, 
And then I was like, it wasn't like a big moment or anything. It was like, this isn't worth it. This wine's not doing what I need it to do. And I can't drink the hard liquor anymore because it just, you know, I've got to figure out something. I went to a few meetings and I stopped. I didn't go to any more, but I got me a step book. And I put another book cover uh, dust cover over over, it. The, <laughs> over the step book because I didn't want my husband at the time to see that I was reading that because everything that I would try to do for myself, he would like make fun of it or mm. tear it down. So yeah, I read yeah. that step book and I remember reading Ooh, that step one. Miserable, so so nar- <laughs> narcissistic and and controlling, gaslighting, making yeah. you think yeah. everything's your fault, mm-hmm. no matter what. But I just awful. I just read step one like over and over and over. And after a few months, he saw that I wasn't drinking. You know, he'd say, I'm, I'm going up to the liquor store. You want anything? No, I'm all set. So he stopped. We didn't talk about it. Mm. He just wow. stopped because he had to kind of, I couldn't be better than him. Oh, boy. Uh, and his, about, e- his ego. Uh-huh. Yeah. And about four years later, I got the guts, and we were driving in the car, in the car, and I says, and life still kind of sucked, but it was better. My first year of sobriety by myself was awful. Mm. Every minute in my car, I cried and prayed to God to help me to, to lift this desire to drink. Mm. Oh, man. And to, a year. That's some of what kept me sober for a long time. I, yeah. if You know, when you relapse— you can take just a taste of a drink. And I know this from knowing the brain and working in the field. When you take just a taste of a drink, there's a 50-50 chance that it might not click that switch. And you start craving. Mm. But then the other the thought that if I ever took another drink, that that craving would come back and that misery of that first year. You know, mm, I'm like, I'm not, I don't want that. that. I, I didn't want that. I don't, I don't like being controlled. I'd been controlled with everything, and I didn't right. like this liquor right. controlling me. Exactly. And no. didn't even realize, yeah. you know, that what, you were letting it control you. Mm-hmm. What about self-respect? Did, did you have that? Was that part of your story where you didn't have enough self-respect or you didn't have a lot of self-respect? Or have you gained self, more self-respect since then? I, th- I don't know. Um if I call it self-respect, I feel like it's just... Self-love? Yeah, just comfortable with, like, um, who I am and and um, the life I've lived. Um, it's not just the bad stuff. Um, I feel like I've been one of the luckiest people um, being able to be in the fellowship for 27 years and work in the field mm. to see people, <clears throat> you know, to have them stand in the hospital in a trash bag so you can get their pants off of them because they're stiff from their urine and the charcoal's all on their face and up their head and they're just shaking like this. And you take those clothes off of them and you wash them. And then years later, you see them from the podium, huh. mm. and you can't figure out who they are. Like it, like it says. <laughs> Amazing. I've, yeah. I've, you, you know, look at them, and I go, I go, I know that guy. Right. Who is that? You know, and then it comes to you. Yeah. And actually, that's how I started going to meetings. It was um, the hospital. I was sober. By my little old cell, probably about a <laughs> year and a half, maybe even two. <laughs> I thought I was real smart, you know. I went to college, so yeah, I majored <laughs> in gotta, psychology. You got it figured I knew, out. Yeah I, yeah, I had it figured out. But I still wasn't real happy. And um, they tore up the unit, and the nurses got reassigned. We only had no beds on the unit. So someone like me with just, you know, their degree in psychology, I ended up going over to, like, ICU and 
CCU, the medical units, yeah. and one-to-one in um, people that had come through the ER, too sick to go to a regular detox, just sicker than sick. Yeah. And um, they'd be still, they'd been in the hospital sometimes like two or three days, and they still had their pissy clothes on. No other staff would like. Really? I'm not saying every time. Right, right. And just to spend the day, and I felt, um, what, what? I think in the scriptures it says, where the where the weakest are, there I'm my greatest. There I'm watching over, and mm. you could feel that presence. Right. Um, and I would wash them, and we'd talk, and uh, so then, three or four months later, you know, when the unit opened up. It was a locked unit at that point. You'd hear a knock on the door and you'd look through the window. They'd say, Is Camille in there? And I'd go to the door and I'd say, Hey, you know, Camille, I'm going to get my six month chip over at the Good Sam meeting tonight. Will you come, will you come see me get my chip? So right. as it turned out, because I had watched those guys, watched people and some women, one on one people. I was going to a meeting like at least twice a month to see somebody get their chip mm. whose <laughs> ass I had washed and and, <laughs> and was like grateful I have, for it. Yeah, I have, yeah. you know, I have a little bit of experience with this and I've seen Incredible. what people can do that are doing one-to-one. Mm-hmm. But I've also seen some how shitty some nurses mm-hmm. can be and like the the people that are sitting there doing one to ones, like not everybody wants to do it, but some people, like you know the the experience I had, they they were like, you know, thank you, mm-hmm. you know, thank you for like sharing it and confi- mm-hmm. and and I seen it helping them out, help washing them up, and mm-hmm. it, it's you know, and all you have to do is talk that. Day. Yeah, it's it's just have a conversation, just be human mm-hmm. with 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 another human. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and connect on that that emotional level. Like, so you know, how what brought you know what brought you here? What mm-hmm. you know, and it's amazing what transpires. Yeah, you know. And I would want to hear. You know, I would say, well, you know, I'd go. They'd go, yeah, I had five five years sober or five years clean. I'd go, what happened? You know, and I'm I'm expecting to hear this tremendous trauma mm, or a s- extreme dynamic. tragedy and yeah. they go they go basically i stopped going to meetings mm-hmm. and just that was it a know? lot of a lot of times you'll hear first i stopped praying mm-hmm. you know because you you ain't asking for the help you ain't gonna get it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that's that's what you know something that i've realized and and in the people that I've talked to that had long-term sobriety and, and um, relapsed um, a lot of, and other times it's been something happened physically and they got put on medication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that 50% that you were talking about, Mm -hmm. that switch, that switch went off, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, after that, I was, I just kept saying myself, I've got to find a, a, you know, a meeting closer to home. I got to start going closer to home and join a group and do everything that, you know, I need to do to make this last. And I think I was sober about six or seven years. And uh, I joined a Well, first I joined a group down in Plymouth and was going there pretty regular. Uh, I did a women's AWOL. By this time I had um, divorced my husband my first husband was he from uh, Massachusetts? Yeah, that's how oh, I ended okay. up up here, and um, I divorced him, which that like really freed me up, you know, because I could yeah. go to meetings. The um, my uh, my youngest, she would come with me to meetings. Um, the airport group in Plymouth um, on Fridays, they let kids come. They had a little table set up and everything like that, and she would come with me to meetings, and she loved it and everything like that. And then mm. when she got a little bit older, of course, my oldest daughter was older, so you know I could go to meetings, and the oldest one was old enough to watch right, you right. Know, the other two. So 
you know, it just like, and I started going to meetings and um, honestly, life started to get better. You right. know, I started to feel better. I started to like. Life get, life stays yeah. the same. We get better. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got better. I felt better. Um, I met my second husband, uh, Todd, uh, had seen him in meetings. He ended up um, coming to where I was working in a detox, saw him there, then saw him again out at meetings when he was coming up on a year. And um, um, I was going to, had at that point, probably going to like three or four meetings a week. And um, we started talking some and running to each other at, at meetings and everything like that. And about, I want to say a year or two later, we got married and I really felt um, really good. It felt really good to be going to meetings with your significant other that, you know, wanted to be there too. Right. You know, you feel good living with um, somebody else in recovery. Right. And and you guys have that common mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. common uh, thread and both want to, to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Sometime mm-hmm. right around there is like uh, when I can't, when I, um, when you guys were taking me to meetings, you would show up, bring me out to meetings. I was living uh, in Norwell. Mm-hmm. It was like after I got out of the uh, the house the first time, the turnabout the first time, mm. and they used to come and get me, and uh, and uh, that was that was definitely uh, instrumental in uh, pushing me along the right way. You know, mm-hmm. I joined a group then. Yeah, thank you for that. Because mm-hmm. I remember, I always think of those that time, and I remember one. The only significant thing that I really remember anybody saying was when you said to me, "If you can't, you can't do this and that, you I don't know what you what we were talking about. You can't might not be able to do that, but at least you can come and get your ass in the seat." Mm. Mm-hmm. And you said that, and I always thought of that. Like, well, I might not be doing anything right, but at least I'm showing up. Yeah, with yeah. my ass in the seat. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. And, it, you know, that I remember we'd go to meetings and sometimes you'd be high. Oh, yeah. And I thought of this the other day, and it's really nothing, but um, there was a woman one time and she was looking at us and treating us different. Hmm. And I felt I was going to have to get up and beat her ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and I just sat there. And every time she'd come up, she always kept asking us, were we the commitment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I th- and this, I'm sorry. I'm old, you know, so I like know it's things. I, I, went, I was a little bit younger then, but I was still mature. And I felt like. We hadn't been to that meeting before. I don't remember exactly what meeting it was, but mm-hmm. it was in a little, you know, one of those towns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those towns. <laughs> and um, I felt like did, that she maybe thought we were all new. Oh, yeah. And by asking us if we were the commitment a couple of times, we would get scared that we were going to have to speak Oh, and, and she, leave. Mm. Trying to run you I out of there. I just said, and I says, no, nah, we not the commitment. You know, how you doing? I'm Camille. We're not the commitment. <laughs> nope, you know. just like we weren't last week. <laughs> <laughs> I was wishing I was a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> I needed to be committed. Yeah, it's uh, it's un- it's unfortunate, you know. It's I don't have the experience with relapse mm-hmm. like since coming into you know meetings or whatever like i went to jail i went to treatment and i've been sober since um mm-hmm. so i don't know how it feels to have some time and go out and then have to come back mm-hmm. you know and but i need to see that stuff you know i i, I need to watch these people and 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 for someone to like treat them differently when they're mm-hmm. trying to come back or or even if someone is in the in the hall and they're high yeah you know like 
like the where only do you desi- think you what, are? Yeah, like, <laughs> you, you, I know you ain't at the Taj Mahal. You're in a freaking meeting. <laughs> exactly. You know exactly. But I also have to remember that I'm deal dealing with alcoholics, alcoholics Other. who are not always treated. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not always, that's right. So you have to forgive them for that, as they yeah. as you forgive them for the people who are there getting high in your meeting. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and the, as far as judgment goes, I mean, the, you know, the older I get, the more I realize, and, and it's so freeing and it's so nice to think that, of things this way, and it sounds stupid, but I, it's, it's how I believe. You, you, you can't judge something. Like, we're not this. We're not this physical person. Mm-hmm. We are something greater than that. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And if you can look past, like, okay, you were born to this family. And you have this ethnicity, and you have this amount of money, and you have this. Uh, you you're even if you're die hard belong to this group or that group, and you've been that way since you were a kid. Well, you know what? That's not really you. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just a persona or a person, right. uh, a personality or, or a, an identity that you've decided to attach yourself to. Right. You're more right. than that. Mm-hmm. And everybody's more than that. Like and we're all the same thing. Imagine I, I've I've seen it, um, you know, through social media. Imagine if when you looked at people, you seen their soul and not their face. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you could see what's inside somebody, you know, because mm-hmm. we we don't know the struggles that people go through. Like, right. I could tell everybody, yeah, shit's pissa, mm-hmm. and 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 it's not, or you know. Or, or the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know the struggle that someone's going through. Exactly. And and, and, and I, I think I had already learned by that time that it's like, you know, you can one day be peeling those pissy pants off that guy. And 10 years later, he could be your boss. Mm. I already know that. <laughs> either that or he's yeah. pe- either that or he's peeling pissy pants off you. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like I've already seen this miracle of recovery absolutely change people right you know yeah. it just absolutely change people and there's no there's no predicting it and there's no, no it's no. just it's just all we have you know we say all we have is 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 today mm. and and it's so true and to just try to i don't know just to try to love each other and forgive each other and the one thing, too, is like in the house, so many times when I was going through all of that, when Todd relapsed and um, we had about three years that I kept trying to help him, you know, mm. Section 35 and him and he'd oh, go live yeah, somewhere yeah. else for a little while. And then, you know, he'd come back home and then a, two or three months would go by and he would, you know, relapse and be crazy again. Um yeah. I was um, so wrapped up at that time in my own stuff. Yeah, I feel bad about that. I wish I had, I wish I had been closer to him at the time. You know, you don't really um, know uh, just how much of a part of you someone is until they until they're gone. Right. You know, and uh, he was definitely a, a huge part of of me, and uh, you know, a part that. Uh, it's just I, I just can't believe it's not there anymore. It's just like that person is gone. I just can't. He's like, I, I, I met Todd when I was on the school bus mm-hmm. in elementary school. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And uh, and then as we were working together and him helping me get sober and then, you know, being sober at the same time and, and working together and, you know, just all the stuff we went through. And then it's just just to have that silenced like there's no mm-hmm. i don't know like it's i'm not even not describing it uh all that great but it's it's devastating yeah it's really it's like it's really every, hard every i feel like everybody has the potential you know for greatness if they put everything into their life you know but when they're in our life we we know them and we see them and we see them grow um you know, I watched him grow in recovery and get in the iron workers and his yeah. racing and everything like Bicycle that. Racing, and yeah. he kind of waxed, he kind of went like this with his recovery. You know what I'm saying? Like he'd join a AWOL and then he'd stop going, you know. But yeah. he was pretty faithful about like 
you know, making it to meetings and everything like that. And I remember one time he said, he says, I don't know how, he wasn't a very religious person, but I remember we were talking, we were driving down the Cape, and he says, he says, you know, I don't know how, he says, like, I always have you to talk to, and he says, but, you know, sometimes everybody's going to be alone, and I can't imagine the people that can't just say, God, can you help me today? Mm. You know, when you're alone. Yeah. I remember sitting in that car, and I was like, thank you, God, that he has that. Because I was so afraid in the beginning that he was relying on me and a few other people in the fellowship, which is great. We do need to rely on each other. Yeah, if that's how you got to start. Yeah, Yeah. but in that alone time, and Mm. he was seeing that, and I saw that. What My point in saying that is I saw his growth, and I saw it happening. And then when I saw, even before he drank, him falling apart, and there yeah. was nothing I could do. And I always, during the time I remembered, um, and I know this sounds dramatic, and I don't mean to make it be that way, but it's just the way my mind thinks. When um, uh, JFK got shot, and in that video, do you see Jackie scramble on the back of the car for that piece of his brain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you feel like. Mm. And you think, I'd see that video, and I'd be like, what does she think she's going to do with that piece of brain? You know, it's just you're scrambling at every piece of them. Yeah, just trying to pull them back together. To pull them back together. Right. And there's just like, there's just like nothing that you can do. Yeah, right. You know, and then for my own sanity, you know, I had to just like, yeah, stop. That's, Just stop. You have to. Mm-hmm. That uh, you guys both live Casillo. They both live Casillo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you uh, you you know? Did you know that Father Joe died? Did you know Father Joe? Yeah, I heard yeah. that. Yeah, he just mm-hmm. passed away Easter Sunday morning. Mm. Yeah, that's sad. Mm. Sad for a, us. He was funny. Oh, I'm snacks sorry for him. Snacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Huh. Yeah, but but like I I understand like you tr- you're trying to just watch these people and and hold them together, but like mm-hmm. no matter what you do, if mm-hmm. if if they're not if they don't want the same thing, it's not mm-hmm. you know. And people would say to me, you know, like that knew me well and everything like that, and they'd say. You know, Camille, just, you know, um, throw him out and don't ever talk to him again. I says, this is not just a marriage thing. Mm, Right. This is, I'm his next of kin. I'm the one that can section 35 him. Mm -hmm. And I'm another alcoholic. And we had even had talks, you know, like him and I would talk. And I'd I'd say, I says, what would you do if I relapsed? And he'd say, I would section 35 your ass so fast, you mm. know, like that, because I want <laughs> you back. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'd kind of say the same thing to him, mm-hmm. you know, but um, um, that was tough to, to have that part that was, this was my husband and it was a marriage and he was doing horrible, horrible things. Right. Around me, to me. Mm just you know everything um it was just it was it was a mess and i would say to people i said i have to live with myself for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and until i have 30 section 35 him that last time and know that i absolutely did everything that i could do then i can be done and i actually passed the baton (laughs) to his older sister and uh, she called me, and he had been staying down there, and she says, Camille, I've, I've got to do what you do when you go to court, and they take him for 30 days. I said, I'll meet you at the court. And I walked her through the process, and then I knew, you know, that from then on that she could do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and um, that was like not a relief or anything, but um, – and then even even after that, he had an episode with um, pancreatitis, and was in the hospital yeah, and got mm. real sick. 
and I went to the hospital and you know I thought I could talk to him after that and then I about two weeks afterwards I, he called and he says can I pick up the dogs and I said I can't do this because I just all I wanted was my life back and I couldn't tolerate thinking about the next time he drank you know mm. but uh yeah. we you know we talked through the years but it is that i remember this is off of that but i remember when it was first going on i started going to al-anon yeah and i, I was coming out of an al-anon meeting and i had my al-anon book and i was mad and i was <laughs> like look at you know to myself i talked to myself i said look what this is resorted to. I'm at an Al-Anon meeting. Yeah. I threw that book in the car. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, now I go to Al-Anon. Yeah. You know. And it, it's funny. It, it was suggested to me, if, if you're going to work with alcoholics, you might oh, check out Al-Anon. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's, a, it's to, wonderful. To, to get mm-hmm. that separation, you mm-hmm. know, it, so that we can we can help them better. Mm-hmm. And help ourselves first. You right. Can't, right. You can't help somebody when you're drowned in with them. You know. And no it's way. It's like um, it, it, it was. You know, I'm sad, very sad that he died. Um, I, I always had two scenarios that were going on in my head. Every once in a while, I'd be like, "Oh man, I hope I hope he's doing good because." When I get my thirty year, med- we used to always give each other our medallions. Mm-hmm. I says, when I get my 30-year medallion, I hope he's got like a couple of years, you mm. know, sober. And and I'm going to have him give me my 30-year medallion, you know. Mm. And then I would just so hope, you know, I'd, I'd hear about something or he, either he would contact me. He gave me my three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, he gave me mine up until – um. We had been married about 10 years, and so uh, that would have been, I don't know, it's maybe more like the last time he gave it to me was when we were married eight years, and um, I, I can't remember what I'd be sober then. 14? Yeah, about 14 years. Yeah, because when we were taking you around, was fourteen. that's 14 years ago. That's yeah. right. and. Well, and it, it was, was a little soon, more than that, actually. Yeah, and yeah, and I always hope that um, you know I'd like pray all the time, you know, oh God, please let him be doing good, you know, mm. and and then you know I would hear different. And um, three months before he died, um, he had been incarcerated, and he got out, and he drank, and they locked him back up, and um, he called me when he got out. And uh, we talked for about an hour. And when I got off the phone, I felt really good. You know, we had talked before. You know, we had hashed everything out before. Apologies on both sides and everything. And he totally understood how much I loved him. And that's why I couldn't be around him at all. It just like, it just like, it made me too sad. And, um. We talked for about an hour. Then um, when I heard that he died, I was like, well, I had that phone call, you know. And um, I've always wondered about that because I had a cousin that did the same thing. We talked for like a cousin I hadn't talked to in like 20 years. And he talked and he sounded so good and everything like that. And then he died like a couple of weeks later. And um, I don't know, I think we wow. feel things in our soul, mm. you know. Yeah. yeah. But after we talked, I felt like really good. And I, I kept saying to him, he says, Camille, I can't get it back. And he says, and even if I get it back, it's not going to be like it was. I says, I know, Todd, you know, that's why I was fighting for you to for you to get you get it together again. I said, because wasn't about that I wanted my husband back. Mm. It was about I knew how happy you were. I knew how happy you were in recovery. Yeah. And how well you were doing. And I knew that you would regret it forever. I says, but you can get it back. Yeah, it's that's that lie. Mm-hmm. That, right. that 
mm-hmm. I've seen lots of people stay out there because of that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's never going to be like it was. I can't get yeah. there. No, yeah. it could. It can be way better than it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't let that. Very possible. Don't yeah. let yeah. your disease lie to you like that. And I didn't right. like say anything like it can be way better. I just said, you got to give it a chance. Yeah, right. This is Todd. You never mm. know. You never know what God and life has for you. Right. You know, and um, he says, I know. He says, I might, I might go away to treatment. I think he went to somewhere in New Hampshire for a little while before he yes. died. Yeah. And um. That was his last stop, and then mm-hmm. he came back here and was by himself in a hotel mm-hmm. room or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they found him outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, it was like 18 degrees or 8 degrees, or it was frigid cold. Yeah. Yeah, and we talked about this, like people just walking by. Yeah, somebody, you know? somebody said they went into the 7-Eleven and he was snoring, and then they came out and he wasn't snoring anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To... And he, yeah, and, um, you know, his family and everything, like, they were questioning, and I don't know what they found out or anything like that, but just from other, my past experience with him, um, we had not talked in a while, and he called me one time, and he says, Camille, I had a seizure, he was doing landscaping, you know, because he wasn't doing iron work, and when he would mess up, yeah, yeah, he'd do that in between, and he says, I had a seizure at work, and they took me to the ER, and he says, and I have no recollection. He says, but I'm I'm between Plymouth and North Plymouth walking. And I says, well, wow. your Aunt Jean lives right there. Go over to your Aunt Jean's. Oh, tell yeah. her to take you back to the hospital. Yeah. I says, you're confused, Todd. But his, you know, the way he was speaking, if you didn't know him, it sounded clear. Oh, yeah. In my mind, I think that's what happened to him that night. I think he went to the hospital, and he had had a seizure, and he was somewhat confused. And left? And left. Mm. And even even for him to be so stupid as to not get out of the cold, the man's not – he was not a dumb man. No. Right. And he right. did not like the cold. Yeah. You know, and I just think he was confused. And even when that time he called me then and he called me from his aunt's, I don't know if she wasn't taking him to the hospital like because he seemed so normal. Mm. I said, uh, I said, yeah. He goes, do I need to go to the hospital? I says, yeah, you need to go back to the hospital. Tell, do you need me to tell your Aunt Jean she needs to take you back to the hospital right now? Yeah. You know, but, like, that was the only little thing he could remember in that confusion was, like, to call me, you know. That's, but, the, that's, the, that's the thing that this disease does to people in active addiction, alcoholism, whatever you want to say. It takes your mind away from you. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's easier when you when you've got uh, an addiction like say gambling or something like this. At least your mind isn't clouded with chemicals. Mm-hmm. At least your mind isn't diseased physically. Mm-hmm. It's a mental obsession, which you know, mm. of course, reacts on the dopamine, whatever. But it's not. It's not the same. It's not like you know. Uh, I I remember coming out of it. In other words, getting sober for a little while here and there. And being like, I just, I don't even think the same way. I'm not mm-hmm. processing my life or thinking of myself in the same way when I'm out there using. It's just not even me. It's like you go away and come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sober you, obviously. You yeah. know, it's, it's such a evil and destructive disease, you know. Mm-hmm. Such a sad, sad thing to watch uh, someone you love uh just die from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. But I'm I'm grateful for everybody that he helped along the way. Mm. Like you know, through you, he's alive. Yeah. You know. Right. Through, you know, through through him, I have things that I didn't have before, up here and in my heart. Right. I had a um um a chance to live with. You know, a soulmate, the love of my life. Hmm. You know, no matter what happened bad, there was absolutely no question. Like, like if he, even his sister said, you know, she says, oh, what, was it girlfriend of the month? He goes, Cam-, she goes, Camille, you were it. You were the beginning. You, you, you were it. 
And it, just to have that assuredness that somebody loved you that much. Mm, yeah. So I'm blessed with that, right, you know, right, no matter right. what. And to know the things, you know, that he, you know, the all the all the good things he did, you know. Right, right. Like that's, that's, this disease takes away a lot. But our recovery and our life that we live in recovery, even though he ended up drinking and dying, his life that he lived in recovery he helped and blessed a lot of people. Right, and that stuff don't go away. It does That's, not go away. Exactly. It yeah. does He's, not go away. It's always there. Mm-hmm. We're always there for each other. This is a this is just a miraculous program. Mm-hmm. We're we're blessed to be able to see other people, you know, come in and grow and and we know each other. Right. You know, you ever been I can't even think of anything right now, but I know I've been somewhere but it's like you say a couple of things to somebody, and you know they're one of us. You know, right, just right. like that. You oh kind yeah, of like know they're oh, one yeah. of us. Oh yeah, you hear him use a couple couple phrases, and you're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Bill, you're a friend of Bill's. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I, that's also blown up in my face. Bill, who? <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. You know, we're we're everywhere, and mm-hmm. you know, I, there's not really many places I can't go with that. I don't know someone that's mm-hmm. doing this deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a beautiful life. Yes, it is. It's so much better. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. It, it's so much better that you know uh, when I can get <clears throat> bummed out or have a bad day or something like this happens with Todd and and, and I'm devastated. I don't have to turn to a substance. I can feel the feelings. I can go through mm-hmm. the uh, the the feelings and learn and grow from them. From them, and and uh, and they pass mm-hmm. without me destroying my life or 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 just you know giving up some time. Because that's another thing I think about is like when you're using every day and hot, using hard. It's like that time is just wasted. It's like giving it up. It's like you're giving precious time on this world, mm. and by anesthetizing yourself not being able to feel any feelings not being able to think right not being able to do what you want to do you're you're in control of the drug or the alcohol Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to say um it's like giving the time away it's Mm -hmm. like you know and uh i don't know i don't know i'm glad i'm glad i'm it's a beautiful life i am so glad that uh that i don't live that way anymore you know Mm. yeah and it it just gets better you know, like if somebody would have said to me um, 10 years ago, oh, well, it, it it can even get better. Not just the physical things that happen, but better in here, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. shit still I'd happens. Said, yeah, you I would know, have life said, happens. oh, how? And it's like, you know, even I hear people will say to me, well, Camille, do you think that you can just kind of not worry about stuff like that no more? you think it's because you went through menopause? I go, yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but it is. It's like to not have, I used to have so much angst and worry Mm, about mm. my kids and and things. If somebody said something to me the wrong way, you know, and whatever, I would like stew on it. And now somebody can come up to me and say, oh, you know, so-and-so, when they said that to you yesterday, did you get mad? And I go, what'd they say? (laughs) it's already gone and it's 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 great greater serenity Mm -hmm. greater and greater levels of peace of mind yeah exactly you know and being okay acceptance of the present acceptance Mm -hmm. of the world as it is it's it's okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you know that you're okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was yesterday what are you talking about i don't know (laughs) whatever yeah yeah can you believe that guy how full of himself he is oh well what guy? Yeah. what guy yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no i can relate totally yes so yeah we're about there oh yeah we are there Look, there it is we go for an hour yes thank you so much camille yes really thank you for, thank you for coming was, on it was, nice. this was, it, was, it was good it was unbelievable um, your the the testimony about the uh about your work in the hospital really got uh, you. that was unbelievable yes yeah, that's Thank you for that's the that. trenches right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, front lines. I'm mm. grateful for them. But yeah, it, like obviously you love what you do if if you're you're there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, I know it ain't the greatest paying work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but monetarily, yeah, monetarily, monetarily. It's but not, that's right. The the the. 
the feelings <coughs> and, 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 and the stuff that you get out of fulfillment. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like like you said, peeling someone's pissy pants off and then seeing them at the podium. Oh like, my god, what? you have no idea. Yeah, that's I love Incredible. that. That's great. That's mm-hmm. the bright spots. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, lolterms.com. Yeah, um, please subscribe at the audio podcast. Yes, like, appreciate subscribe, it. share. Please share this live feed, Facebook, YouTube. Yep. We're going to move to uh, Periscope, we think, too. So yeah. We'll see what happens. All right, everybody. All right, people. Peace. Peace. Thank you. I live in this world.